How's it going? Welcome back for another week. So I'm sitting here with Dad. Good morning. And today, I guess we're going to talk about why we're losing hunters and outdoorsmen in general. Well, yeah, and we sure going? we sure are losing them, Paul. So we're, we are. Yeah. I, actually, numbers are slowly increasing, but relative to the population as, as a whole, right? It's it's going down the drain. Yeah. But before we go too far, why don't you tell everyone about your fantastic fishing trip you had? Oh yeah, yeah, May ago. May tenth, and I can't disclose any any. Uh, yeah, well, and you know, you can't disclose any locations. Fishing, fishing, and hunting <laughs> is is what it is, Paul. There's you, you know you a lot. There, there's a lot of times where you you don't catch a lot. You know, there's uh, it, things are pretty quiet. And, a lot and, of uh, slow times. Before. But if you if you keep after it, you have those. You have those days where you finally hit it, That's right. where the fish finally bite. And uh, yeah, uh, I went out uh, May 10th a couple days ago. What is it today? It's the uh, 12th? 13th. 13th. Well, three days ago, I went out May 10th. And uh, yeah, I think I caught in a matter of maybe an hour and a half, I caught six, five or six trout that were between 18 and 20 inches. And uh, yeah. That's, that's and I was good. only allowed to keep one because where I was fishing was uh, only one over 14 inches. Yeah. So I kept the first one that I caught, which was a little over 18, and uh, ended up catching some a little bigger than that that were released. How long did you fish? I only fished like an hour and a half. And well, that's out of a good that, hour and a half. And probably out of that hour and a half, most of the time was playing fish. You know, so my my... What a pain in the butt! What yeah, a, a exactly. Because they were all, uh, they were all tough to bring in. I was yeah. fishing where there was a current, and uh, they were tough to, they were tough to bring in. You and just you, didn't pull them in. So. And you said one was pushing four pounds. Probably one was close to twenty inches in fat. I'm guessing over three. They they all were probably over two and a half. Yeah, I put some pictures so, up on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of yeah. hard to, the pictures you sent me. They're sideways, upside down. Yeah, you know, it was... It's hard when you're by yourself. It was windy. It was really windy. I'm running a boat, trying to fish, and I didn't even pull my camera. I've got a camera, and I, you know, I would have loved to have had video, and I didn't, I just... You didn't take any video whatsoever? Grabbed my, uh, my phone and just snapped a picture, and even then, I had some problems with the motor getting into some some seaweed and letting the motor idle it had clogged up my intakes my water intakes oh, and yeah the motor started making a funny noise and i had to shut it off and clean out the intakes and it was yeah hmm. that had me a little concerned but everything uh, everything worked out motor's fine yeah i could have gone i was off that day you were yeah well you never yeah. know like i say no, you could have come up and right place right time yeah because you know. i had fished there uh, the ice had been out a week and a half or so, and I'd fished there a couple times before, and I never even had a strike. But like I say, if you if you you keep going back, and you eventually you hit it when the, the fish are there and they're biting, and uh, they were full of smelt. The smelt must have been running up, and uh, even so, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I say, if you it's <laughs> like hunting, and if you keep after it, and you'll uh, eventually be successful. You'll you'll eventually. Yeah. Yeah, but I I had a lot of you know the I caught fish just about every time I went out I had some some action but I can't say yeah we we went out it was last Sunday now which I'll we'll have a video up 
probably this week. Yeah. I didn't get to it last week. It was nice to have a bunch of stuff to do around the house. Yeah. A bunch of chores to get caught up on. So probably next week. So we caught yeah. three fish that day. Yeah. Wasn't it was, anything. It was slow. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was windy. Yeah, three or four. We may have, I, I let, yeah. It was, it was three. Was it three? Two okay. small salmon and then, uh, I don't know, mediocre salmon yeah. that I caught. But, yeah. All right. Well, I guess enough boat fishing. We ought to get into something that's always concerned me is the lack of outdoorsmen or the the decrease in outdoorsmen right. over time. Um, you know, we see it fishing. We talked about it when we were fishing Sunday. Yes. There was two other boats on the water. Yeah. Back when... You were younger, or a kid. I have a long history. I'm, I'll be 65 this year. Been... So, yeah, this is 65 years of, uh, and uh, so I have a lot of history where I fish. I've, we, we've had the camp up there since I was two years old. And I, I certainly know how things were 40 years ago, yeah. 50 years ago, and uh, the amount of fishermen and stuff. And boy, they are, they are not there now, Paul. They're, they're just not there. And, and hunters too. And hunters too. We don't see, yeah. You know the, the deer hunters that yeah that we used to. You would said on the lake that there was at one point seventeen was it seventeen campsites, nineteen campsites. I was told the, by yeah. And now there's there's zero. zero, yeah. And that may have a lot to do with the the owners now, Irving, yeah. Owned, and they may have wanted those gone. Still, you think if there was a if there was a need for them that they would allow that it, there yeah. would be there yeah. would be something. But you yeah. just don't see the the people out and about. But no. So I guess I guess some statistics here. Um, so this is hunting specific, uh, and it's based off fish and wildlife data that's been gathered from state license sales, uh, state license sales around the country. Um, so in 1960, there was 14 million hunters, and those are actual numbers. Um, that at the time that was 7.7 percent of the U.S. population, and it really it, it went up until 1982, peaked in 1982. Right. There was 16.7 million hunters in 1982. 1982 was a good year. Yeah, it was a great year. Yeah, you were born that year. I uh, yeah, it took you <laughs> took you a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it did take me a second, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I but was. so the interesting thing was, was so 1960, less actual numbers. But it was 7.7 percent .7 of the population. 1982 was peak as far as numbers are concerned. Right. But it was 7.2 percent of the population. So you're seeing relative to the population, it it had declined. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we move forward to 2010. So the actual number of of deer hunters decreased, or the actual number of hunters decreased until 2010. Right. That was kind of a low point. Um, and then it's gradually gone up since 2010 but again that's actual numbers that's not percentage of the population as a whole um, as of right now well, i should say since the most recent data i could find was collected in 2020 um, there was 15.2 million hunters in the u.s um, right which accounts for 4.6 percent of the population so relative to the population as a whole the number of hunters is decreasing right which isn't good no. And that stands we, true for anglers as well. Right. Um, so the sales of fishing licenses across the country, all, all going down. Yeah. Um, so the population of the country has grown about 10 times faster than the number of hunters over the course of the same period of time. 
Um, so it's disheartening. So, and what the, what that means is our voice, our our political clout is diminished. Is getting smaller and smaller right, and smaller. Right. Right. And we have we're we're definitely a well yeah a big minority. So if uh, yeah now so. The other concerning factor is when I see most people out, majority of people I see hunting tend to be older. Yeah. So we're looking at 50s, 60s, and up. And some of the data that I that found was one-third of all hunters in the U.S. are baby boomers. Yeah. So those born from what, 1946 to 1964. Yeah. So people born post-World War II. So all those people are... What fifty six yeah. to seventy four right. in that area? That translates into what I see as far as the YouTube channel. When I see who is consuming hunting content, the majority of people are in their fifties and sixties. Right, and so what happens when those guys are gone? Yeah. You, you've got a huge gap, and in, in you've got a generational gap. Yeah, as and they're going hunting. fast. They are. They're going fast. Um, uh, people my age, uh, a lot of them are out of hunting, and and uh, yeah, they're they're. So, one thing I you know one interesting thing I looked at is I was looking at states, and can you guess what state has the highest percentage of hunters? I ne would have never guessed it, but. Ah. Uh, I would just guess maybe like. Mrs. Uh, Louisiana. No, actually, uh, South Dakota. South Dakota. Was number okay. one for license sales yeah. for hunters. 24.2% yeah. of the population hunts. Wow. Wyoming wow. was number two. Okay, yeah. So, any I was going to say Alaska right off the bat. Well, you, Alaska was lower down the list. But when you said you'd be surprised, I threw Alaska um, out, of my, out of my list. So, Any guess where Maine would fall on that list? Oh... I'm going to guess 25. Maybe number, in, number six. Number six, okay. Yeah. So about 15%. Yeah. yeah. Are you trying to embarrass me? No. Okay. Uh, who, would, who would know this <laughs> off the top of their head? Yeah. I mean, well, who would? Well, obviously, I'm, I didn't have I'm a sure. heads up on that. No, I'd bet 100 bucks <laughs> you could guess the last state on that list. Uh, California. Oh, that was, yeah. Piece California. 0.7% of the population. Yeah. Yeah, I got one right. As far as I'm, yeah. far as I'm concerned, California can yeah. be chiseled off the... Yeah, well, maybe. let them float out to sea. Yeah, sorry if you're from California, but yeah, I doubt anyone from California watches. Just watching you. Yeah, <laughs> hunting and yeah, fishing. You can afford to lose them. <laughs> YouTube channel, yeah. uh, YouTube content. Yeah. Um, why is this a problem? You well, know, why, why? Like I say, it's a problem because I mean your your voice. I mean if if your poll, your clout, you're you're losing it. You don't have any. Yeah. So if if something is decided, well, we're going to do away with hunting, and it and it's going on all the time in the state of Maine, they're looking to to change uh, hunting on coyote and bear hunting. You know now they they feel it's unethical for for you to hunt over bait or hunt over dogs and stuff. So when these things are decided, you know we don't have a very large voice. So that's no. the problem. Well, even further than that, um, so. Hunting and conservation are basically a symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. We are the conservationists. We are. 
We are the conservationists. However people want to argue that. We are. It's undeniable. We contribute more and care more about conservation than... Financially? Yes. Um, yes. Without hunters, you have no wildlife conservation. You have no Department no. of the Fisheries and Wildlife. No. You have no money. You have no, no funding for it all. No. With that, wildlife management goes out the window. Right. And contrary to what some people say, wildlife does not manage itself. No, it sure does We are... We are too intertwined now with wildlife, human populations and wildlife. There's so much play between both sides of things that they, wildlife have to be actively managed. Right. They're not going to manage themselves. And you'll see people say they can manage themselves. Uh, carnivores are the natural. No. Uh, predators are the natural. No. Uh, and no, that's, that's not true. And no. they'll use coyotes, for example, which aren't even native right. to the state of Maine. Right. Um, so wildlife management has to be intentional. They, the people, they have a very distorted view of what actually happens in, in nature. Well, they're disconnected from it all. They think that they, uh, they think these animals are out there living a happy life, and you know it's, it's a rough, actually a really brutal place. It's, it's a rough life. It's a rough life, and uh, and uh, I was just watching a show, a guy going out and checking uh, on a YouTube channel, and he was he was checking moose, the radio collared moose that were dying from ticks. And yeah, that's was, a gruesome process. And yeah, Always yeah, works. he was he was floating yeah. down, I think, the St. John River. He had a he had a locator, and he was he was I don't know if he was an actual employee for the state or he was doing subcontracting for the state. He's got a YouTube channel anyway, and uh, and so he would pick up the signal along the St. John River, and go in and find the dead moose. And it would, the the two that I saw on his channel both were killed by ticks, yeah, were calves, and and that has to be a miserable slow death during that basically just starvation is what it is we saw one deer hunting a few years back yeah wouldn't even get out of the road yeah he was just sitting there just yeah i found three last year snowmobile some snowmobiling and some when i was out turkey hunting that uh, all young moose that had been killed by ticks and uh, and the state knows that the there is a high percentage of the uh, the moose population is being killed by by winter ticks. The yep. young, there's no recruitment in, uh, or very little recruitment in that. And as far as wildlife, I don't want to get too much into wildlife management. As far as history is concerned, thankfully we had some historical figures that played a role in setting the stage for managing wildlife and lands. You had Teddy Roosevelt, yeah, responsible for the U.S. Forest Service, yeah. Established the National Fire. And he was a big hunter. Teddy. He was a big hunter, and he Teddy. realized that natural resources could be exhausted. There was a point in time, late 1800s and whatnot, um, where I think the general feeling amongst, amongst the public is that it was inexhaustible. Our natural right. resources were... You could just go were, and It was whatever, him. Yeah. I think it was out in the Badlands or whatever. Yeah. Um, he saw the decimation of bison, decimation yeah. of bison, elk and various other species of, yeah. of animals, realized that something had to be done. And like you said, he was an avid hunter. Yes, he was. Um, you know, they had John Muir, Guilford Pinchot. Yep. Um, and those guys, Aldo Leopold. Yeah. Those were kind of, I call them the three fathers. 
They've what? Father of Conservation, Father of Forestry. Yeah. And what was the other one? Father of the National Parks. Yeah, Muir was um, National Park. Yeah. So John Muir. Yeah. Gifford Pinchot was Father of Conservation. Yeah. So why are we losing hunters? And outdoorsmen in general, why are we losing? It's, it's I a question it, I've thought about a lot. I, I think a lot of it, Paul, and it's been, you know, it's been the, it's been the shift from people living in the, you know, the rural areas moving to urban areas. I think that had a lot to do with it, you know, that uh, the, the sh population shift. You so know, you get it. You the, get an increased disconnection. Yeah, of, from being nature. off the land, you're getting stuff. You know, from the a old, grocery store. Right. It used to be the farm boys, and you know, the people lived in rural America. They yeah. all hunted and trapped and stuff. And now you've got a shift into a more urban population, and uh, and they're disconnected from the from the land. And yeah. I think that would be one one reason, right off the top of my head. There's a number of them, other activities that kids get into. And I, I thought about some big reasons like currently and why people aren't doing it as much. And at its core, the values in this country have oh, yeah. changed drastically. Yeah. Societal yeah. norms yeah. have changed. Yeah. Um, and there's two underlying things that I see that probably really contribute to that. It's the decline of the typical traditional family unit. Yeah. And an increase in moral deficiency. Yeah. We become morally defective. Um, yeah. yeah. In, in a major way. The, the, the line between right and wrong has certainly been, been blurred and we certainly see it in today's society and, and there, there's a hot button issue right there. You're right. Well, yeah. what happens is you <clears throat> people don't have any don't have guardrails in place, and you keep pushing that line further and further yeah. and further. Pretty soon, everything becomes watered down. You no longer have any idea who you are or right. what you stand for, and then you're sitting there thinking, "Why am I even here? What, what the heck am I even doing?" Yeah, and yeah. I mean, people lose their identity in yeah. more ways than one. Yeah. We argue about it nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah. you see the same thing with the family unit. Um, it's, it's going to the wayside. Yeah. And those traditional values that are built yeah. within a family are being lost. And really, the family unit is the cornerstone of society. Of society. It's exactly what it is. And it, yeah, I always think of so. Um, you have Abraham Maslow that created the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's basically a pyramid of how people grow and develop. And it starts at the base of the pyramid is your basic needs. So food, water, air, shelter, shelter, being safe. Right. And before you can grow further. Yeah. You first have to have your basic needs met, which those then are, those are the vital needs that you. Which then moves yeah. into so then you know to simplify it, his second tier, general tier, would be your psychosocial needs. So being loved, communion, right, relationship, relationship, yeah, stuff like that. That then sets the stage for what 
he would term self-actualization. So achieving basically your full potential. Right. So what is it that, that you can do? What is it you can achieve? Um, kind of maximizing your potential. And not that I subscribe 100% to his, right. his little pyramid, but it is kind of a continuum of, you know, you've got to have your basic needs met before you can grow further right. and further and further. Yeah. And so the family unit really helps establish in a child those basic needs, mm. which then allows them to move on into those, those other levels. And it's good for the individual and it's good for society. And so you see those things kind of falling apart. Yeah. People are losing what they value with with things in life. And so you know, you ask, well, how does this, you know, tie into hunting? I guess at the end of it, if if you're out hunting, you're asking if you're honest with yourself, you ask, well, why do I hunt? Why am I out here hunting? Right. And I guess I thought about it. And I've thought about it a lot over the years. Um, you know, it's more than just fun. You know, it's, it's a connection to nature. It's something you don't get within four walls. Right. Or within a city. Um, it's therapeutic. It brings back warm memories, especially if you've done it as a child. Right. Which is we'll touch on, or at least I will, you know, the importance of bringing a kid hunting right, and making it enjoyable so they can develop those warm, warm memories, those fond memories that they'll carry on into adulthood. Um, but I, what are some of the reasons you hunt? Well, you, you just hit, you hit one. I can remember as a, as a young child, I can remember my dad going, you know, and you have those memories and you, and you dream of the day that you're old enough to go, to go with them. Oh yeah. And then they, and then you start going, you know, at a real uh, simple level, maybe ride, uh, bird hunt, you know, and it's something that's a child can do. And, and, uh, and, you know, you move into the harder, you know, like ultimately it would be to spend the day in the woods tracking a deer. I mean, that's, that's difficult. That's a lot of work. You're going to start a kid doing that. Right. You're not going to, uh, you're not going to take a five-year-old out and start tracking deer. I mean, you know, no. there's a progression and just like fishing, you know, they, they, uh, you, you take them out and, uh, they're not going to sit in a boat for 10 hours and not catch a fish there, yeah. but you take them out and they, you fish for chub or perch or something that, uh, keeps you them know, busy. They don't care Keeps what's on the end of the line wiggling as nope. long yeah as long as there's something as going on. As long as there's something there and yeah. and you you know, you, you go for short periods of time and and uh, yeah, but like getting back to yeah, I just remember my dad going with the men. This was something the men did and and uh, I just dreamed of the day that I could actually go with them. Yeah. Go to go to deer camp, go with the men to deer camp and fish camp. Yeah. And fish, yeah. Yeah. Let me... So their passion, and he had a passion for some of that stuff, and 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 you can, as a child, you pick up on it, and you you know oh, yeah. you develop that that passion yeah. also. All right. So we kind of touched on some of the value stuff. All right. I guess we touched on some of the so lost the family unit, becoming morally deficient. Yeah. As a society, but then some of the you know more simpler things that 
I guess as I was thinking, um, on why people are are not engaged in this as much as as they used to be, that lack of free time. Yeah, Pe- people are working more. Yeah, there's a lot more vying for our time. There's all kinds of, I mean, tech, all kinds of things that are more instant gratification, right? Than deer hunting. Or right. fishing, sitting long hours in a boat. It ends up being kind of the wrong mindset if you think that you're wasting time sitting in a boat or chasing a deer through the woods yeah. without actually catching You can or be unsu- unsuscessful a lot of a there's, lot of the time. A, like I, we were just talking about with the fishing pole, you know, I spent a lot of time in the boat to get to that one day that yep. the fish were biting. But there's a lot of value in those days that you don't catch. Oh, I fish, enjoy it for or sure. You don't, oh my word! Yeah, the I stuff enjoy that it. you see, which we're up fishing, we came across a, an abandoned cabin. Yeah, which I'm yeah. going to have a separate video yeah. up on that. It just, I mean, that's interesting stuff that you come across. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know how many, you've come across several buildings. I have probably seven or eight, and I'm going to try to get back in and uh, actually document and record some of those. Get some pictures. The Every one of them has collapsed, the, the ones that, uh, but it's so interesting because you're thinking of the stories they could tell from the time some young man was excited about building it and dreaming about, yeah. you know, having a camp to actually hunt in to the years that he used it and to what happened, you know, to the, the final, uh, it's no longer usable. It's collapsed. The snow was taken it and, uh, and, uh, yeah. Another one I thought of was access to game. Maine, we're fortunate. A lot of public access. Yeah. But you're seeing... And I'm, per- I'm even concerned in Maine of hunting leases. Yeah, it can change. Popping up. Because it is all private, or most of it is all private it land is. that we access. It is. It's not like it's public land. It's not public land. It's private land that's open to us. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we have a unique... Uh, we're very fortunate in We've that. We've got millions of acres that we can hunt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I never take it for granted. Yeah. And I hope people that utilize it don't take it for granted. No, it can change. Um, you never know what... Because uh, it could be yanked out from under you pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I was thinking of, and it was to a conversation we had fishing, our summer fishing trip in June, is... And I've, I've run across old timers more that bring this up, but the regulations and how complicated they can be. They're, yeah, and they change from year to year, and they're very and complicated. You know, yeah. If you fly fish and release all your fish, you never have to. You, you basically you, can fish wherever you want. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I, a lot of people really value tangible stuff, right? And they feel if they're going to go out fishing. They got to come back with a fish. They got to come back with something physical in order not to be successful, but to get value out of it. Right. And you see a lot of people say, well, frig that. I'm not, I can't keep a fish. Yeah. I'm not, why bother? Gas is four bucks a gallon. Yeah. I'm going to drive 60 miles into the woods. And you pay pay a pretty, pretty big uh, camping fee. If you stay for two or three days, you can. You can spend some money with yep. camping and day, and day use fees. But so. we talked about, and we were even at, at the end of it, we're like, wait, what pond are we on again? And what, you know, it's two fish, 
only one can exceed 12 inches. Right. And then the other pond was two fish. Yeah, you couldn't uh, one, keep one over 12 inches. Yeah. Yeah. And then we yeah, were, it had to be both under 12 inches. Once we were yeah. going through all the regulations yeah. again, we were like, wait, which pond was? It was yeah. like, holy smokes, we can't even wrap our minds around. No, you've... you've you know, you got to constantly be looking at the law book. That's kind of annoying. Yeah. You know, I, I think the state should do something. It sounds like a scientist created the, the fishing regulations. I think they did. <laughs> Probably did. Sounds like something a scientist would do. Yeah. Um, made sense to them but to the general public it's yeah not it's not to be too hard they, yeah they probably make good scientific sense it's just oh the, no yeah. for the user for yeah. the actual uh uh lay person that wants no, to and go I, out and fish it's very and i will say i'll touch on this in a minute but i think the state does an excellent job of trying to get new people engaged in hunting yeah and i think that obviously they realize that that's the key to their future success right is to make sure that they have a continuous generation of outdoors men and women coming into it or else they're out of a job they are it's yeah it's all gone so how do we fix it not we particularly but well you you uh you mentioned uh one thing right off the bat paul you you know as as a hunter and a fisherman yourself you take your kids. Warm, number, number warm memories. You, yeah, you, those good you, memories. You build those uh, that into your children. And I got so. I got a funny story about that. And it's you talk about memories, and it's all your senses: sight, smell, hearing, hearing, and songs for me. Like whenever I hear Sugar Ray, I want to fly. That came out in 1997, yeah. and I actually looked it up last night. Because every time I hear that song, I think of the first buck that I shot. And I can remember I shot that buck, first aid deer camp, and I drove around. I didn't have my license. I wasn't 16. Yeah. I, Dale had already shot a deer. I drove around with him bird hunting, basically that loop on the yeah. horse barn road. And while you guys were hunting, yeah. that song played. That was the first song I heard when I was in the truck after yeah. I shot that deer. That song played like... Obviously, it must have been a hit song that year. So I looked it up. I'm like, it must have been 97 it was released. It was released in May of 1997. Yeah. And every time I hear that song, it immediately brings me back to when I shot yeah. that deer. Confederate Railroad? I can. That brings me back to bird hunting. <laughs> yeah, that's one. Brittany would... Uh, and then... Yeah, we were out bird hunting and that, yeah, that she, played she, and she couldn't that. wait to get home and sing that song. Uh, and... Yeah. I won't mention the title of the song, but uh, yeah, Confederate, Confederate they're, Railroad. They're probably not even allowed to be called Confederate Railroad anymore. No. no. Uh, and then the other, the other one is that really, as far as hunting goes, that just brings me back to deer camp is Joe Diffie, John Deere Green. Yeah. That would have been my second yeah. year deer camp. That was played basically on loop on the country channel, I feel like. Yeah. And yeah, that just, so those, those sounds, yeah. they, they bring me right back to... Of those times um now i have one paul and and i can still picture where we were with dad in the car bird hunting and i would have to look up the year that the the song came out but it was uh the allman brothers band it was oh my god yeah it was uh, lord i was born a rambling man and that's i would have to i'm gonna look that up when we and and but i can remember as a kid and i think i'm thinking i was under 10 years old and uh 
that would be playing on the radio yeah. while we were bird hunting. So I looked at, so, so the Joe Diffie, John Deere Green. I'm like, that brings me back. I'm like, that was my first or second year deer camp. I know it was. Yeah. And my first year of deer camp was 92. Yeah. And so I looked it up. Joe Diffie, it was released fall of 93. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. That brings me right back. Um, so yeah, creating more memories with your kids. And it really takes a lot of sacrifice. It does. Because I'm have... thinking right now, I, I like to deer hunt. I like to deer hunt hard. Yeah. Like I, you have very few days you can do it, but and you know you're sacrificing your hunt to take a child. I, I, you're gonna. I'm looking at. I was thinking the other day. I'm probably gonna have five or six years that if I want my kids to be involved in it, yeah. I'm probably gonna have five or six years where I'm not gonna have many days that I can really seriously one one hundred percent about me yeah. deer hunt. So there's gonna take a period of sacrifice, but. The, on the flip side, down the road, I'll have Bo who can track a deer to me. I can shoot it, and then he can gut it and drag it out. <laughs> does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. Yeah, it all... Is that how... Yeah, I can remember. I have a visual of me pulling a canoe into uh, uh, Upper Pond. And then now you're lugging the canoe and yeah. uh, on your shoulders, and I'm walking behind you. And uh, so, and you're complaining about being hungry and yeah. needing a nap. Yeah. So yeah. things have switched from the time you were just a young fella, and I would uh, I would drag the canoe, and I never I never carried it on my I drug it, and uh, we well, didn't and have now, it. Yeah. now you're carrying the canoe for me. I carry the rods and the life vest and the paddle. And the snacks. Yeah, you need plenty <laughs> of snacks. You bring your juice box. Yeah. So, oh yeah, obviously taking kids out. And that's where I think the state does a really good job. They've got the youth they hunt, which I am kind of have mixed feelings about because I feel like a lot of people abuse uh, I think the that, youth they uh, hunt. I think it may to, be an excuse for, they yeah, just grab I, a kid I better not go, go down that road, but I think um, it probably happens more than... I see just random people, they'll... Just trying to find a kid yeah. to take out hunting. And yeah. It's like, that's really not the purpose of it. No. Um, yeah, the other thing that I'm a big fan of is the lifetime hunting and fishing license. Yeah. So you guys have bought both of our kids. Yeah, we got one more to go. Yep. Bo's only two. And the key with right that now. is if you buy them before they turn six, it's 250 bucks yeah. for the combo. After the age of six, it's 500 bucks. Right. So if you do it early, you can save yourself some money and... They'll have that the rest of their life. And I think that's... It. Oh, and then the other thing that I think was a good move by the state was eliminating the minimum hunting age. Yeah. Get, letting a kid go when they're, they're ready. Yeah. When, some, I mean, some kids are ready younger than, right. than others. Another, so one thing that, and I didn't mention it before, but that can keep people from getting into this stuff is an increased barrier to entry. And that really comes with commercialization of a lot of things. I think a lot of people feel they need all this expensive equipment. Right. From fishing gear or hunting gear. And that is so far from, I am not a gear junkie. And anyway, I don't, I don't want to have a bunch of stuff that I'm not going to use. Right. And I don't want to spend a bunch of money on stuff that, I mean, I still use the same wool jacket I did when I was 14. I don't, 
I don't know. You don't need guns are the same way. People will buy new guns every yeah. couple of years. I I could for the tell latest you latest and greatest. Yeah, I could tell you a few stories on and how interesting that is, Paul. That uh, when when I was young and Dad would take us, my brother and myself, and we had one old hand-me-down single shot. 410 between the three of us between take, three take three turns. people and we would go hunting with one gun and my father didn't buy it it was handed down from his yeah. father to him and so i would grab well what what are my options he had a pump 22 so i'd go partridge hunting makes you a better hunter with a pump 22 yeah and dad and jeff would have to swap off on the shotgun he was cheap. He he was focused. <laughs> but this is how I was raised. And we went, and we went a lot. We went hunting every day that he had off, bird hunting. And we had one shotgun until I get old enough to buy. I, I bought a single shot 20 gauge uh, when I was probably 12 or in that area. But before then, we swapped. And then the same way with fishing pole, we had, we had the worst looking outfit of rods that you know that we put together to go fishing with and one of the one of the great fishing trips i remember as a young man i actually used an alder twitch with no a piece kidding. of string i did at libby dam and caught six nice brook trout early in yeah. the, early in the spring early in may in the beaver dam and yeah. i had no rod at the house whatever rods we had and we didn't have many. We're at the we're at the lake at the camp, so I I wanted to go so bad. I found some string, you, and went and cut an alder twitch, and I caught like six brook trout. I thought that's 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 one of those memories that I have. That uh, if you want to do something, and I say it to a lot bad of people, enough. If you want to do I something bad it. enough, you'll figure out a way. It doesn't matter what it is in life. Yep. If you want to do it bad enough, you'll figure out a way yep. to to get it done. Yep. And There's not many kids that would do that today that would, would go well, and cut an alder twitch. And, and, and I was successful. I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I caught like six trout. And that, and that comes back to our values in society yeah. and how we've kind of gotten into this situation we're in is we haven't had any... The, my generation and the generations behind me, they've had no real problems in life. No. There's been no strife. No. There's been no struggles. No. When your biggest problem is, oh, my $1,000 phone right. is two years old. I need to get I a, new a new one. one yeah. Woe is me. I don't have a new one. Yeah. That's a big... Yeah. You look at, like, my grandparents. My grandfather was in World War II, was shot up in World War II. Yeah. yeah. Almost died. Purple Heart. Never heard the guy talk about it. No. He lived a productive life. Yeah. He never, not that you want to keep that stuff bottled down. Yeah. But he didn't, I mean, and not to wreck on people on social media, but that would be their calling card nowadays. Yeah. I've been right. X. Well, and they, yeah, I better not, I better not go there, but uh, yeah. And you know, their, their wants, they didn't, they didn't have a lot of stuff. No. Well, my, my father, had very, like I said, we shared a shotgun that he didn't yeah. buy, that he, he never bought a gun. My father never bought a gun. And, and you lose appreciation for things in life yeah. when it's just 
so dang easy. Yeah, he, he he hunted, he deer hunted. There again, his father passed it down to him. It was a 1936, you got the gun right in the gun case yeah. there, Model 81 Remington. When his father died, dad was nine years old, so those guns were left, you know, basically, yeah. basically to him. Uh, a pump 22, single shot 410, and the, uh, the 30 Remington, Model 81. And that's all he ever used, and he, he hunted, and that's all he ever used. Never had want for another gun. No. So you don't need expensive. No. It might feel good for a little while. So, yeah, decreasing barrier to entry would be another good good way to get people involved. And then accessibility. Yeah. Just making sure people have access to game yeah. and stuff like that. More people are posting land. Yeah. Um, Especially downstate, you know. Yeah. Where uh, a generation ago, everything, even if it was a small woodlot owner down there, I mean, it was, they left it open. Yeah. It, they were just, and then within the last 40 years or so, no trespassing signs have uh, sprung up like weeds down, downstate. Yeah. I mean, I see it around my house. Even here, yeah, the small, small landowners, yeah, people, yeah. The, so, yeah, things are definitely changing, not for for the better um we definitely don't want to see less people hunting and fishing and enjoying outdoor activities yeah I mean, it's kind of it's, it's easy to sit by and i do it it's easy to sit by and just kind of do your own thing um, just keep doing it until they tell you you can't do it and not getting too involved in stuff and i should be more involved yeah and that's the, some of the, uh, the, the thing on. that uh you don't know where it's all like I say in my lifetime how much things have changed and you don't know where it's going to all shake out in another 20 years no it's know, almost like the change has been like exponential yeah because I mean er everything that uh, you know the media with with guns and in schools the education system I mean there's not there's Nothing really pro hunting or pro guns in what children are being raised in. No, what they're being exposed, whether it's it's entertainment, media, or you know, it's fine to play a bit video game that yeah. totally, yeah, is as violent yeah. as they come. Yeah, like, gosh, don't talk, don't talk about, don't post a uh, picture of a dead nice deer. deer, your, your yeah. kid. I had someone chastise me on one of the videos there with the kids bird hunting. How dare you bring those kids out? Loud guns, no hearing protection, no eye protection. Thinking this guy's obviously never hunted before. Yeah, I don't but recall the this, last time I deer hunted with ear. This ear, guy ear would roll on. over if he ever saw how I was raised. I'll tell you that because uh, we there were no Jeez, car man. seats or seat belts or yeah, no. we rode in the back of pickups and like, you drank from the garden hose and. You know what? Better yet, lock yourself in your house. Don't go outside. Yeah. Don't take any risk. Nothing yeah. will happen to you. Yeah. And uh, you'll be good. But no, I mean, it's like, yeah. you don't hunt with hearing. You got to hear. You need your you, you, you need your senses. Part, part of the senses that you need to, yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. All right. And you, you may lose a little bit of hearing over the years. Yeah. Uh, you know that. You you're huh? deafer than a... I don't hear like I used to. I have to tell the same story sometimes two or three times <laughs> before I get a yeah. response. Yeah. But no, I guess, you know, if, if anyone has any other suggestions or input, leave them in the comments below. 
Um, we'd like to hear it. But it's something I think a lot about. Something that concerns me because it's a good, it's a good wholesome pastime. It is. And it, it's, for me, it's very therapeutic. And I, I try to emphasize that a lot because I think people miss that portion of it. Like it really breaks away, especially nowadays. There's so much inundating our mind. Yeah. Like overstimulation to the nth degree. And even for me, I'll get out. Like my first day of deer hunting, when I'm really seriously like focused and in the woods, it's a different, it's a, it requires a different mental acuity. And I feel kind of like discombobulated for a few hours. Yeah. It's almost like I debug. And I, I feel so much better, especially a week at deer camp yeah. or up fishing. When I, I come home, I'm, Lacey says I'm easier to live with. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's definitely, there's a, there's a, healthy component to it yeah and and there's one thing that i wanted to talk about in that regard paul and when i look back at, at my childhood you know your parents like your dad you don't spend many hours right you know close to them in a intimate setting or whatever and the times that i were hunting and fishing where we would spend long hours where we were stuck with each other yeah and and I had his full attention. Yep. We may sit for four hours in a boat. Well, I had a ton of questions. I learned more about my dad and life. In a boat. In those four hours. Than sitting in the living room at Because, home. right, because if, we, if, he's, if we're home, he's going to be off doing something. I'm going to be off doing something. There's other things vying for your time. He's going to be going to work the other five days. He's going to come home, have supper, watch the news, and... And I and the the best times that I ever spent with my father were bird hunting, or hunting in general, and fishing. Yep. And I learned more. We had more time together, you know, where he was focusing on me and I was focusing on him, than you know any other time in my childhood. And right in his boat, it was a life or death situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was, you may not come off the water. Uh, we didn't know that. We were just little kids, so we trusted that your parents knew best. Yeah. And uh, looking back, that may have not been the case in that situation. Right. Well, we made it through. You survived. We, li we lived. Yeah. Yeah. Characters yeah. built through advers adversity. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. But no, it's important. It's important for kids to have wholesome activities they can engage in. Yeah. And, and like I said, that shapes, sets that foundation of yeah. security and then allows them to grow further on and develop into, you know, an individual that contributes to society. Right. So it's good for the individual and it's good for a society as a whole. And I don't know how we don't pay attention to that. Well, you know? yeah. How how other people don't see things the way we see it, huh, Paul? I mean, I yeah. should not. Yeah. They don't have to see it my way. Yeah. But how important it is. We're not just a little piece of society collectively. Right. You know, it's important that together we make society what it is. Right. And and the direction we're going seems like it's falling apart. It's going to disorder. Yeah. No, it order. Yeah. And it seems like, like in science, everything goes from order to disorder unless you apply some sort of work, energy, or something right. to it to get it 
to some cohesive state yeah. that functions. Yeah. And yeah. we are yeah. becoming more of a dysfunction. Yeah. And unfortunately, Paul, I, I know I, I get a pretty pessimistic outlook on... on I don't want to be negative. But. Yeah, I hate to be negative. I hate to... Uh, but uh, I just... I don't like what I see and I don't no. like what's going on. Yeah. And I don't think it's right or good. Nope. But... But it can change. It can. Yeah. Yeah. But like I say, I only have... So much of our is our experience, and 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 I've seen it go from this to bad. You know, you don't see, you don't see it going I the other see, way. I see any, the trend. You know, I, any, I, any I don't see an uptick or anything. Yeah. I just see a downward trend, and so yeah, I'm not saying that it can't that can't change, but when you have a long history of yeah. you know, and you know what things were before and what they are now, and yeah, yeah, it's kind of scary, but it is. Do our best to get yeah, kids get, involved. Uh, and you get three children and they love our the, three grandchildren, and we do the best with those you know, we can. And we, we do we do it with people we come in contact with. We try to live a live loved, a life that uh, love talking to people up in the woods. Yeah, out fishing and stuff like that. It's always I mean, always great conversation. Yeah, uh, I, I God, I don't know if I've ever had a bad bad interaction really with yeah with an outdoorsman. Yeah. You know, it's always, yeah. I mean, there were some guys that fishing a few years ago. They were inviting us over for dinner, and oh yeah, you know, just yeah. if something were to happen, you you can count on them to feel like get you out would, of a scrape. If, help yeah, you out. yeah, yeah. It's a good community. So yeah, there. I think that is that all we got. Is yeah, all she wrote. We we rambled quite a bit there, Paul. So might be a long one, but yeah. And I will say probably. When this one is up, I think I'll have everything up on Spotify and uh, some of the other platforms, um, Apple Podcast. I think I'm going to do that probably tonight. Um, yeah. So by the time this one's up, I should have everything live on other yeah other platforms. See how things go. Yep. So I guess that just about sums it up. Yes. Yeah. You're the boss. I'm not the boss. She's, she's inside. <laughs> so thanks for watching. Until next time. Get outside. It's good for the soul. See ya.